Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Brutally Honest Podcast. I am your host, Harrison Barron, and if you're listening to this, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to spend some time with me. And I do mean that with the most most highest level of sincerity, if that's a thing. But you guys are here with me, and we're about to experience an amazing podcast. But before that, I have to tell you all the good things that are happening right now. First things first, lots of podcasts coming up. I already have a bunch in the bank, a bunch more to be released, and the podcast should be going live in the future on Twitch, and then it'll be uploaded on YouTube afterwards, and you'll see the link on the website, and the website is BrutallyHonestPodcast.com. Go check it out there, and you'll have the links for all that kind of good stuff, and follow if you haven't already subscribe tell somebody about it share it on instagram share it on facebook tell you know sharing is caring as they say and my phone is going off but today before we start the podcast i have to tell you guys about my sponsors and i'm gonna do that in less than four minutes are you guys ready because i'm ready first sponsor agile dragon consulting agile dragon consulting.com go check them out if you are a business and you are looking to get your data in the moving in the right direction and you're looking to take data, use it correctly and make better business decisions, go check them out. That is exactly what they do. They're going to take down, they're going to take your data, they're going to digest it and they are going to help you make better business decisions for your business based on real data of that you have acquired. It's not like they're going to buy it or, you know, oh, I'm looking it up on Google. No, it is your actual data. So that is what they do. AgileDragonConsulting.com. Go check it out. You might be able to learn something, even if you stop by. Second thing, Elise Margolin Photography. Go check her out. EliseMargolin.Zenfolio.com. She is a prior podcast guest. Actually, Agile Dragon Consulting is also a prior podcast guest. But... She does everything from real estate photos to professional headshots to um, candid photos to basically any kind of photography you need, she is going to supply. And she, it may sound ridiculous to be a generalist, but she is a complete master. She picks and chooses based on a bunch of different things um, as far as like weddings and stuff like that. But she has produced some amazing, amazing stuff. She's in Florida right now at a, I can't disclose where she is, but I know she's in Florida right now working for a major, major company that probably everybody listening to this knows. That's what she does. If you're looking to get a photograph, she is the person to go to. Um, and she's just an absolute bundle of joy as well. I do mean that actually, by the way, that sounded not so good. And last but not least, we have Terra Nut. Go check them out, terranut.com, T-E-R-R-A-N-U-T.com forward slash BHB, Brutally Honest Podcast. If you go there, they, they are an affiliate of mine, but they produce a delicious little snack. I actually had it long before I found out that uh, who owns it, but it's super, super cool. And they're just these tasty little treats that are super healthy, packed with vitamins and minerals, and absolutely delicious. You can go on and you get a discount if you use if you go to forward slash BHP. Uh, it's all plant based, nutrient dense, and su- like not ingredients that you can't pronounce. It's all super simple ingredients. And that's it, guys. Four minutes done. Actually, I think that was less than four minutes. Honest to God. But my guests today are a return guest and Doctor Frank Egan and. His wife, Christine Egan. Uh, 
Obviously, Christine was a prior guest of mine. Talked, uh, had an amazing conversation with her. Uh, she is easily risen to my top favorite people list. Um, and her husband, she brings her husband on the podcast, and we have a great time. We laugh, we enjoy the, t- we enjoy it. We talk about a bunch of different things. What's going on? Dentistry. Um, the people that put your braces on. That sounds awful, but you're gonna learn all about it. All right, orthodontist. I've I drew a blank right there. I'm sorry, guys, and I'm not gonna cut that out. So, without any further ado, this is all done in five minutes. I love it. Without any further ado, please welcome Dr. Frank and Christine Egan. put some braces on some people today i was actually teaching today so i was teaching teaching doctors to put braces on people so you te- oh you teach doctors yeah or soon to soon to be or dentists doc- dentists yes. they they've already become dentists and now they're learning to become orthodontists Ooh, i did not know that yeah that's, so you have that's to become a Mondays. dentist first yep wow yeah oh so an ortho- four years of dental school and then three years to become an orthodontist god after damn. college that's a lot years. of time. <laughs> so after your bachelor's, so seven more years. Oh my god, <laughs> that's incredible. That's a long time. Yeah. And w- so, what made you decide to be a teacher? What made you? I want to hear the whole story because Christine shared the lifelong story of her. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear the lifelong story of Mr. Egan. Now. So it began with my orthodontic treatment. I was treated by Dr. Kim in Sayville. Okay. And uh, she's still practicing. I, I don't believe so. No. Okay. Uh, he left the Sayville practice and was practicing in New Hyde Park for a while, but I'm I'm pretty sure he's retired at this point. Uh, but it was just uh, an amazing experience, and my teeth were pretty awful, and he did a wonderful job, and uh, I was really fascinated by it. Okay. And uh, kind of had a, an aptitude for science and. Didn't want to become an MD and uh, really liked the idea of orthodontics, and that's what I did. And you went, so did you ever practice as a dentist, or you're just like, we're going no, straight through? I went straight from dental school to the orthodontic training. Mm. Uh, yeah. There's, so there's no, I guess, window of like, hey, you got to do this for like X amount of time. No. No, really? I mean, the, it's a pretty competitive uh, program to get into to become an orthodontist. Okay. But uh, as long as you can get into one, what there are no other restrictions. What defines the competition? Uh, as far as the grades in dental school. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's just you got the cream rise to the top, <laughs> and then whoever wants to become or train, start training for or be, to become an orthodontist, um, then they go in. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You have and then to I'm going to throw in there. It was four years undergrad at Stony Brook, four years dental school at Stony Brook, and then two years ortho program at Stony Brook, and still back there teaching on Mondays at Stony Brook. Can I ask you a very personal question? <laughs> sure. How much debt do you have? Debt? At, well, at least when you graduated. Yeah, I was actually pretty lucky. I had about fifty thousand debt. 
That's but, it. But wait, and that now, was back, come on. Yeah. Oh, oh, true, 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 true. That was the many kids years graduating ago. now have half a million debt. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. And then, yeah. I so, mean, to me, fifty thousand was a lot. Yeah. In you know ninety four, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's pretty amazing now. You know the the debt that they have. Some of the doctors that are in the program now, $500,000 in debt. And then if they have a spouse or someone also who's in the same program, they also have the same amount of debt. So it's a million dollars worth of debt right there. How do you pay that off? (laughs) Like, um, we're talking like, we'll just say on the lower end, half a million. That's so sad to say. Half a million dollars. Like, that is what? Uh, how many braces? A lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how they'll do it. <laughs> like, the I, pay I can't really, go up anymore. No. I can't imagine it going up I mean, anymore. It's, it's got to be at a at ceiling. that rate. Yeah, it didn't multiply ten times. No, definitely not. Like, I just, I can't even fathom a half a million dollars in debt, even at whatever X amount of dollars that a doctor makes per set of braces, because we all know the doctors do make money. They need to make money to live. But that is an absurd amount of practice time to get that paid off. Yeah, especially since you're not really starting to work until you're 29, 30. And then I guess you're working into your 60s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm done. My, my dad's paid off. This is, this is profit at this point. Uh, that's incredible. And yeah. then... Is that conversation ever come up in class? Uh, I mean, I've discussed it with residents over the years. <laughs> What's like the we, general? We don't answer? give them instruction on on how to deal with that. They um, just you sign up for it, you pay, you're paying for it, and here it is. This is what you're going to learn today. Yeah, well, God. it's interesting because you know, uh, especially in this profession. Uh, there are some doctors that will hire an associate, so they're paid you know, uh, per day, or there's some like mega orthodontic corporations out there that will pay you per day. And then the rest are trying to be either buying out a retiring doctor's practice or trying to start their own solo practice. That's a, yeah, especially, and you guys don't even know how to sell. Like it's not even like, Hey, let's, how do we get everybody in the door? Well, that is a big topic of conversation. You know, they're taught all orthodontics, right, on how to actually make teeth move and how to make a beautiful smile. But teaching marketing, teaching how to be a boss, teaching how to, you know, uh, how to be. Yeah, what's that experience like, especially for the two of you? Because I know you're both involved in the practice. You know, you're obviously the orthodontist. and Well, yeah, it was uh, kind of on-the-job learning as far as the business aspect and marketing and things like that. What was, like, the biggest struggle for, like, you going in? Like, because it's a family affair. You know, you guys are high school sweethearts, correct? Yeah. I know the whole story. I was here, so the whole... This is is more like part two. Yeah, this is is part two. So, like, you could just free flow, just word vomit everywhere. It's, It's great. We'll, you know, we'll forge gold out of this, I promise you. Okay. But, you know, I'm, I want to know the whole, like, high school dating to, hey, I'm going to go spend 12 years in college to, or years was a little less, to marriage, practice, being in, mar- were you guys married before the practice or after the practice? 
And if I ever ask as a question long, that you don't want to answer, you can be like, I don't want to answer that. In, in one year, I bought a practice, got married, bought a house, and had our first child in, in a one-month period. That bank must love you. <laughs> <laughs> Racking up those percentage points, baby. And it just went on from there. But and, as, you know, as far as the practice, I'd say the, the biggest challenge was the running a business, managing a staff. Sure. Uh, you know, those kinds of things, which I really had no training in, no experience in. Do they teach you in, in school to how to manage other people, at least as far as like, hey, I have assistance or anything like that? No. Really? I mean, the closest thing you got was teaching. You got some experience teaching. You teach other people before you become an official orthodontist? Uh, teaching uh, dental students, teaching... I. It, this was a very small part, uh, teaching n- nursing students, just, you know, basic science subjects, okay. things like that. Yeah. And that's it. It was a pretty minimal. Yeah. So how'd that go for the two of you now? Like, starting practice, I mean, obviously the conversation came up of, hey, I want to do this. Yeah. I mean, I always knew once I became an orthodontist, I wanted to have my own practice. I I got really lucky finding an opportunity. Uh, we had looked all over the Northeast for different opportunities, and I couldn't find anything that was comparable to the one that I had right in East Patchogue. Uh, Did you buy somebody's practice? I bought a practice, an existing okay. practice, a uh, doctor who was faculty at, at the school. Okay. Uh, my good friend was working there before me, uh, but his wife decided she didn't want to live on Long Island. She wanted to live back in Pennsylvania where her family was. Mm-hmm. They left, and when he left, I, I went right in there. And uh, within a year and a half, I bought the practice. Within another year, the uh, selling doctor retired. He stayed on for uh, one year for the transition. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been mine since. I mean, are you going to do any more practices, or are you just going to call it a day at one? Want, uh, what's what's the future? That's still up in the air right now. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> give me the juicy details. I'm just you know looking at different options. I mean, I, I don't like the idea of spreading myself too thin in different locations. I really like the East Patchogue location. The the people there, you know, they're like the patients are like family, and all our referrals are from patients. So, sure. uh, but you know, the future's wide open what's fun about being in that location is um a lot of the people that come in mm-hmm. were treated by dr lynch which was the doctor that frank bought the practice from and now all their kids get treated and oh even, that's a dream come true oh yeah even now that we've been there for 25 years some of the patients that we see have their kids come in yes which is <laughs> kind of odd, kind of makes you feel a little old. That's uh, uh, life. But, yeah, I mean, you know, that was always the dream of, of being there was to treat families, um, and that's exactly what we've done. We've not only treated families, but we can say now we've treated generations of people um, that just come back to that same location. It's, you know, easy to find and, uh, you know, such a great place to be and, great service and um, obviously they love their smile so they've come back um, you know with their own kids sure have you did all your kids have braces 
All of our kids had braces, yes. And then my daughter was retreated with Invisalign, and then I finally got treated with Invisalign after uh, 25 years, I think it took me, before I came in to get retreated. Yeah. So Christine was telling me that you have never taken – I don't know anything about Invisalign. I told her – I slipped up, I guess, and told her that I was like, oh, it smells direct. And she's like, no, you can't do that. So what's your opinion on it? Obviously, you install Invisalign. Install? I don't know if that's the right term. Uh, I use Invisalign. It's just another tool, just like braces. I, I design the Invisalign for each patient. Uh yeah, the Smile Direct, you know, is is driven by consumers that want orthodontics. Uh, it's just not the the best route to to getting that because it is not just a cosmetic procedure; it's a medical procedure. There are consequences to things being done improperly, uh, and it's it's a little scary, you know, having people doing. Uh, Orthodontics without supervision, basically, and and that's how are they allowed to do I that? Do. Well, that's a good question. Uh, maybe maybe a lawyer would have to answer that. Uh, okay. And and at least in some states, it, it is being litigated. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. So. Oh yeah, it's a big thing with the yeah. American Association of Orthodontics. It's a big because you know to do the things that they do. They've gone through all the schooling, like sure. sp- specialty training, sure. and yet, you know, now it's like a mail order thing. It's kind of, it's just really bizarre. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely could see that. You know, it, it's funny because you're like, ah, it's so convenient, and then at the same time, somebody's like, dude, you're gonna let some computer work inside your mouth, <laughs> and you're, you're just gonna install it and hope for the best. And I'm like, yeah, I guess you kind of have a point. I mean, it's your own body, too. You don't really want to mess that up. You probably want somebody that's trained that knows what they're doing. Yeah, I mean... And yeah, I mean, if you think of it, like I said, as a tool, you know, if you need surgery, the tool is a scalpel. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't get a scalpel online and do the surgery yourself. So why would you do orthodontics? Just because you can get your hands on that tool doesn't mean you know how to use it. Ooh. This is good. <laughs> this is good. No, that de- I mean it makes it does make total sense. And now when you do Invisalign, um like what is the process like? What made you decide to say, "Hey, I want to offer Invisalign." You know, yeah, all those so kinds that's, of things. Yeah. So that's that's a whole interesting story. Invisalign came out around 2000, 1999, 2000. Okay. And uh you know, it, it had its immediate appeal. Uh for not being braces sure so you know people liked it it was pretty easy to to use and and wear but as orthodontists no one had any training in it no one knew how to use it okay uh the company had done some uh trials with it and and had some orthodontists kind of experimenting with it Mm -hmm. and within a year and a half two years they released it to the public. Oh, really? Not to orthodontists, to the public. Oh, boy. Yeah, they went direct to consumers, and so consumers were coming into the office asking for this new braces. Whose office? And everyone's, because it was national. They went national with it to consumers. So you could just go to, like, well, how did you even No, and find then it? you had to go to an orthodontist, uh-huh. ask them about it. Uh-huh. Maybe they had heard of it, maybe uh-huh. not. 
but you know, with with so many people asking for it, orthodontists wanted to to be trained. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the training was like a weekend course. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so you know, <laughs> we we were kind of expected to do what we could do with braces with Invisalign, uh-huh. but it, it it wasn't apples and apples. It was apples and oranges. Yeah, sure. Uh, so. For about 10 years, there was this back and forth of patients wanted it, but orthodontists really weren't comfortable with using it, didn't know how to use it. Just because of lack of training? or Yeah, a lack of history. I mean, we, we have a century of experience with braces. Yeah. Uh, you know, stacks of books and journals and, and all different scenarios and different techniques. And, and so, you know, there's so much to know about it. And, you know, if you go through the training, you know it. Yeah. Uh, and hard to get through the training without being at least halfway decent at, at moving teeth sure. with, yeah, with yeah. braces. Uh, but that wasn't the case with Invisalign. So the patient demand never subsided, but some orthodontists said, hey, this is the future, and either we're going to learn it or we're going to get left behind. Mm. And, and so orthodontists like myself – found patients who said, hey, you know what? I want it. Mm-hmm. And we said, well, we'll do it. Yeah. If you're not happy with the result, we'll, we'll put braces on. Sure. So basically that's how we got experience. I like that. If you're not happy with the result, we'll go to the traditional method. Yeah. So, you know, that's how we got experience. And we shared that experience with each other and, uh, you know, slowly started to build a foundation for, for treatment. So that by 2010, the early 20-teens, uh, the doctors who had invested their time, invested their effort, and learned to use Invisalign were able to do just about everything with Invisalign that we could do with braces. Because a lot of the knowledge did transfer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, in the early 20-teens, I really started growing that side of my practice mm-hmm. so that now that's bigger than the braces part of my practice. Sure, sure. Uh, It's almost exclusively the way I treat adults, and even a lot of uh, younger patients are are being treated with Invisalign. Yeah, so uh, it's it's been a journey. And then going around the same time, I started teaching, but I was shocked that they weren't learning anything about Invisalign. Nothing? No. Now, when, I, even spoken about when I went to school, there was no Invisalign, so yeah. that's my excuse. Sure. But how could someone graduating in 2016, 2017, 2018 sure. not know how to use this technology? So, uh, actually, I just got asked to uh, create a course to, to teach the, the residents oh, clear cool. liner therapy. And also this year is when the original patents uh, for Invisalign are running out. So that half a dozen big companies just jumped in with their aligners. So it's Ooh. a big do you think, change in in the. Do you think it's going to be a race to the bottom for as far as like price goes, or you think the price will stay where it's at? Or right now you know? the things are still sorting out. Mm-hmm. Uh, price is part of it, but the product itself for someone like me is more important because of the type of treatment I'm doing. Sure. Uh, 
for other dentists who are using it or orthodontists who are using it differently, price might be a bigger factor. Mm-hmm. But honestly, from what I see, they they're not even that competitive with with the price. So oh really? Yeah. So, so keep it's it interesting. Out. Yeah. Very interesting. And now, do you think that because that patent's going to be up, obviously they can't re you know reapply for it? Or I don't believe they it's actually been a series of patents. So okay. the earliest patents are running out, but every year they they uh, file new patents for innovations and changes. And mm. and that's one thing I do give them credit for uh, is is they really do put a lot of money into research and uh, have improved the product immensely mm-hmm. uh, in the time that it's been out. Some of their other practices, not so crazy about, but as far as the Invisalign's product, practices. Yeah. What? Why? What? What do you mean other practices? Well, right, right from the beginning, they they went direct to consumers mm-hmm. before they had a product that yep. was really ready, mm-hmm. or before they had orthodontists who were Trained. ready to yeah. use it. Um, and then sh- shortly after that, they start marketing to general dentists to use it to. Do orthodontics, um, which is probably not a good idea. No, because even as orthodontists in the beginning, where we didn't have any experience with Invisalign, at least we had experience moving teeth. Yeah. So we knew how to move teeth with braces, and we're able to at least translate a lot of that the uh, the biomechanics, the the biology, to moving teeth with aligners. Mm-hmm. But the dentists had no experience with moving teeth. I had to go through four years of dental school to learn everything about dentistry before I could become an orthodontist. Sure. But they didn't have to learn any orthodontics to become a dentist. Mm-hmm. And yet, their license allows them to practice orthodontics. Really? <laughs> yes. A dentist license? Yep. Allows them to practice orthodontics? Not exclusively, uh-huh. but they can practice orthodontics, oral surgery, endodontics, anything. What? Yeah. <laughs> that, that seems like a flaw in the system. It does. It does. How do you think that's impacting, and this is nationwide, correct? Yeah, each state has its own laws, but they're, they're pretty standard. How pretty do you standard. think this is impacting the industry? It's It's been going on for a long time. Even with braces, there were some dentists who were putting braces on their patients. Uh, you know, again, they would take a weekend course or you know, maybe a six-month of weekends course. Um, but Invisalign just made it a lot easier because all they had to do was take an impression, send it to Invisalign, and get aligners back. Sure. They skipped the part where they designed the aligners because they didn't really know how yeah, to design yeah. the aligners. Yeah. So they just accepted whatever the algorithms and the software sure. gave them, which it's pretty interesting <laughs> in some cases. Sure, yeah, because it's all software-driven. Yeah. I can't imagine somebody looking at every single pair. Yeah. And, pair, and yeah, I guess it would be a pair. So, uh, set. Set. Set, set of aligners. Yeah. yeah. Treatment. So, yeah, it's been a you know kind of interesting history of Invisalign. And now, now you're teaching. So you're teaching at Stony Brook. Are you teaching Invisalign? Is the course only Invisalign, or how do you use... So right now, I, I teach orthodontics sure. in general, uh, yeah. and mostly that's braces. Uh, but the new director wants the students to learn to use clear aligners. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily Invisalign, but clear aligners. Sure. Uh, 
and that's just a name brand yeah 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 and so you know i had expressed you know my interest in that and and my concern for the the patients and and so you know we're working together on that and this is just orthodontic or, uh, sorry dentists practicing orthodontics or trying to right. get into graduating with an orthodontics degree is that right right so they've graduated from dental school sure they've been accepted into the program they're learning to to become orthodontists gotcha right at the clinic up at stony brook i guess we should have specified that they teach they work in a clinic okay at stony brook gotcha the dental clinic now who like what does that process look like as far as like student goes like who are they practicing on are they practicing is it like you know 80 percent textbook and 20 you know 20 percent person like yes. hands-on or it's mostly clinical the so the day would be broken up with two hours uh lecture and and uh classroom and then uh three hours treating patients sure lunch break and another three hours treating patients and these are long island people who uh come to the school and uh, apply and if they get accepted they can become a patient okay oh so you have to apply yeah i gotcha have you ever seen a previous patient of yours go through dental school a patient from my practice yeah i'd be curious to know if somebody got braces and they're like we're going to school to be a dentist and oh oh, to become a dentist i'm sorry i misunderstood um I have a number of patients who have expressed an interest. Can't think of anyone who's actually gotten all the way through the programs. Can you think of anyone? Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know there's a young man who checks in with us every year. He tells us, and I, I think he's in dental school now. He lets us know, you know it. where he's at. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And now, so what was it like, you know, the t- so you being – uh, the two of you guys being in a relationship during college, like, what is it like living with a soon-to-be PhD recipient? DDS. Or, DDS. Or DDS. Sorry, DDS. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You know, because it's a lot of it's you know, it's a lot of support. That's a long time ago. Oh yeah, but I want to know about it. I got to know all these things. Um. If I got two of you here. I got to hear all the stories. I mean, it was, I don't know, things were so different back then, you know. I feel like Long Island was so much more affordable than it is now. I I, I, I would have been a dentist for $50,000 I think student that, loans. Yeah, <laughs> That's um, a pretty good deal. <laughs> the stress maybe was more like when the kids were little and, um, you know, having your own business and, you know, the money that you make is the money that we live on. Sure. You know, the hours that you put in is, you know, that was, I think that was maybe difficult right from the beginning. Sure. And you taught your kids at home. We did, yes. I heard all about it. I want to hear your side of it now. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I told you in one year, I bought the practice, bought the house, got married, had our first child. Sure. And we had another child two years later. Another child two years after that, uh, when my eldest, our son, was uh, five, we started homeschool kindergarten. Sure. Uh, and all three children were homeschooled through 12th grade. What were like, how did you feel about it? 
like challenges? What are your thoughts on it? <laughs> I told you we're well, doing a deep dive. I, I said that it um, it really evolved over the years. I mean, it was completely different by the time they were in high school than it was in the yeah. early years because there was no internet when we first started. Oh, true. So did she tell you about the home birth? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's that's how it started, and then uh, when I when I started. When I was working uh, after Dr. Lynch had retired, I was working like six six days a week. Okay. Um, a lot of patients. It was really one and a half doctor practice. He was kind of slowing down, uh-huh. uh, but it was still more more than one doctor. And then gradually, I cut out the morning hours, mm-hmm. so that by the time we we started the homeschool, I had mornings off. Okay. So I would do the homeschooling in the morning, the academics, mm-hmm. and then Christine would have the kids in the afternoon and do their activities, their karate and art and dance. Sure, raise right here. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then it went on like that for years. Like Christine said, it, it evolved over the years. In the beginning, we used a very uh, kind of specific curriculum, a book called The Well-Trained Mind. Okay. Uh, Back then, there was some support, uh, local groups. Uh, Homeschooling a, their kids. Yeah. It was like this whole underground world back yeah. then. Really? Yeah. yeah. They were like... Uh, like. What okay, do you think so the reasoning was, was? This was... Okay, so t- Frank is 22. So what, like 17 years ago? 18 years ago when we were doing this? Maybe even longer than that? Um, there were like 150 families between like Saville, Bayport, Blue Point, Patchog, and that was and we like met in like a community center just mm-hmm. to like share notes, like, and then that was it because there was there was no like Facebook, there were no Facebook groups, there were no sure. I, I mean, it was really different, and sure. there were that many people back then. So you know, there's so many families that a homeschool now. Not really. Oh, yeah. It's, it's tremendous. Really? Now, yeah. why do you think that is? Well, I would think nowadays it's probably because it access. Um, whereas back in the beginning, I think a lot of people just felt like they couldn't teach their kids or, um, you know, teach their kids through high school. I think nowadays with so many classes being online and access to so many schools online, it, it maybe the the decision to homeschool could be quite different. I mean, there. I know a lot of people that homeschool because their kids are really smart and just need to be challenged in a different way than school can challenge them. Sure. Or they're professionals in some other field mm-hmm. and just want to be able to dedicate the time to their other crafts and just need to homeschool to get to fulfill the requirements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the reasons to homeschool are so varied and... and you know, almost as many as there are children's being children being homeschooled. Uh, one big group is religious that that they want a religious upbringing. Uh, but is especially that, yeah, is that the well-trained mind? I saw one, no, as soon as I came up, it was like Bible is, stories and this and yeah, I was like, okay. it, you know, it has that aspect, but it, it's really not necessarily that mm-hmm. um, the reason we picked the well-trained mind which was like I said this is many many years ago is that it was based on a theme 
that how many years is it? You go through your elementary school years learning the basics. Yeah. And then the idea four, is that four and four. come middle school, you'll relearn the same material just with, a, with more depth. Mm-hmm. And then you relearn it again come high school, but with details. Mm-hmm. Or like us, maybe you're t- actually taking a trip to a place or maybe you're actually speaking to someone from that country or whatever it may be. Sure. Like a lot more research would go in for the high school level. And that's... That's what we did back then. It was the same, like, basic core things of, you know, English and grammar and history and um, math, science. And then the, the state guidelines, you, you have to work that into as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, every year we had to submit a home instruction plan to the district and then quarterly reports for each child. Was that... Time very time consuming on your end, or you think it would have been? Do you think you spend more time homeschooling, or you think you would have spent more time trying to reinforce what the teachers were teaching them in school? Very complex question. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think I spent more time homeschooling, but it was so rewarding and and such a great experience that you know I, I wouldn't trade it for the world, uh, and I think I probably wouldn't. Have would have been more frustrated trying to reinforce and, you know, uh, add to what they were learning in a public school sure. or a private school. Uh, that being said, every year we gave them the option, you know, do you want to keep doing this? And mm-hmm. They they did. <laughs> <laughs> they did. We sat there. Yeah, uh, it's very different. It I, wasn't oh, I can like only imagine. Uh, you know, a lot of people, especially in the beginning, you know, it wasn't like just doing school at home. Like sure. it's very different from like a kid who's in school all day lo- all day long and then comes home to do homework. Sure. Like that's not what homeschooling is at all. You know, we got the kids that were fresh in the morning. You know, they were eager to learn. They yeah. were only there and you're for not ex- waking them up at the crack of dawn. When right. They are not ready to learn. Um, you know, there were other parts to real life. You know, there was cooking. There was actually making a meal. There was getting your breakfast together. It was cleaning up breakfast. It was getting yourself dressed. It was cleaning your room. Then it was being upstairs by a certain amount of time. And then it was lunch, and it was preparing your own food for lunch and cleaning up. And, you know, there just was a lot more to it than just school at home. Did you, when, when you're teaching a student at home, or a child at home, did you do like, hey, this week we're going to focus on math, and then this week we're going to focus on science? Or was it like, this sounds so bad, but like school where they just throw everything at you every single day and you're just destroyed? Like you're so distracted <laughs> on everything. People, teachers, people coming in, who's getting in trouble, you know, the the teacher who's having trouble getting the class to, to relax and all these different things. So I feel like there were a lot of questions in there. There were. There were. <laughs> uh, there are definitely homeschoolers who take that first approach. Okay. We didn't really, and we generally did every subject every day. Okay. Uh, although, you know, maybe science, we'd, we'd do a little different, where some days we'd spend more on it if we were doing, like, an experiment or sure. a project or something like that. Uh, but that seemed to work well for our kids, and, and especially as they got older, we really – we're able to tailor it to their individual needs and, and differences. Uh, 
Uh, one of the questions we get a lot is, you know, about tests. Do you give them tests? And yes, we had to give them like a standardized test every year because of the state. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, if you're working one on one with someone, you know when they've learned the material. Oh yeah. You don't need to test them. Yeah. So. hundred oh, percent. Yeah, and you don't waste time going over it for a longer period of time just because that one kid didn't get it yet. Sure. Uh, or if they do need more time, you can spend more time. Yeah. So, you know, some things would go maybe faster, some things would go slower, but, you know, it was always individualized, which is, I think, a, you know, quite a gift. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think being able to sit down one-on-one -on -one or even, you know, even if you have, you know, you guys have three one kids. Three. Yeah. yeah, one <laughs> on three. You know, at the same time, though, it, it kind of, at least I would imagine, and I don't have any kids, um, but, you know, kind of like the older kid can teach mm -hmm. the younger ones, and, the you know, and, and it kind of trickles down where it's just, it's reinforcing what they learn. You know, as a parent, I'm sure that, you know, it's it's probably unbelievably rewarding being able to see, you know, kind of what you, what you literally have created and how the how they're interacting and all these different things yeah i mean i honestly i still feel like that today like we were just away as a family last weekend and even just seeing them interact as adults they all get along and like they're just they still have conversations with each other like sure i really feel like they've kind of um were friends all growing up Mm -hmm. You know, there wasn't any of the, like, meanness that goes on between siblings or, you know, stuff that could happen at school that gets between kids. Yes. or Yeah, there was there was just none of that because they were each other's, you know, playmates sure. for the afternoon. Um, you know, there was a lot of downtime, a lot of downtime for creativity. And we had talked about that previously about, like, Rubik's Cube and my son being an internationally ranked Rubik's Cuber. Um, sure. Just because there was time on task and the same for video games and, you know, learning how to build a computer. And it was just downtime, you mm -hmm. know, filling it with the things that you really like to do. And I, I think they were just happier because they got to learn the things that they really wanted to learn and had real interest in. Sure. No, I think I think that makes total sense. You know, uh, w like we spoke, you know, I think downtime and, and freedom really gives the your brain the ability to explore and create and you know i was a huge fan of legos back in the day as i'm sure most parents hated when they had to step on them um did you talk about that no but we have oh, a huge goodness. affinity for legos really yes what? so the all all three of the kids and their friends and cousin uh were on a uh robotic Lego robotics team okay FLL. oh i heard first, robotics not lego robotics yeah first first lego league Okay. So it's the uh, yeah the Lego. There's a robot. Lego league. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> You're so passionate. We I love did it. that for three years. They they went to St. Louis for the uh, like the national championship, and uh, it, well, they it was started an here. Experience. They won Long Island. They won like so. The Lego first comes year they, out. They came in second place on Long Island. The second year they won Long Island and and went to the the uh, Lego World Festival. So Lego every year comes out. Um, with a task uh, project and everyone's given the same robot and you have to program the robot and it goes through a whole task thing you know on a on a playing field and you have to come up with a 
you know, program the robot. You have to come up with a, a project and you, you know, give a presentation. And yeah, all my kids participated in it with other um, non-homeschooling kids. They were just other kids in the neighborhood that just wanted to learn. And they wound up going and succeeding like year after year. And then when it got to be high school time, um, we, you know, the robot at high school level is a totally different type of robot. And oh, I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. and that's when my son wound up on the Patchogue Medford team and started, that's where he really started programming and now as a computer programmer. That's crazy. <laughs> I just brought up Legos because people, people hate stepping on them. Um, so my my I'm looking whole at the Lego website. Story, that's very impressive. Yeah, the, the I whole had no idea. Legos and, and the Lego board was in our uh, was a huge part of our house, like physically part of our house. And Legos, you know, definitely. Yeah, the playing field is a uh, eight by four foot uh, mat, and uh, you know we had to build the platform to put it on and. Oh my god! Every, every week, I had no idea. Come over and I'm just stumbling upon these things. This uh, is great. Yeah, it was a really big deal. And then that high school one is a whole new level. You know, when that comes out, the actual project comes out. They all the local high schools meet at Stony Brook, and it's announced over like this big festival of, of all over the country. Yeah, yeah. and then well, really all over the world. Um. Yeah, it was really uh, quite a big thing. And then every night from January through when is the big, right? It starts in January? Mm-hmm. Starts in January and runs through, could it be May? April? I think April is the, uh, the national. Yeah. And they're there working every night until midnight or so. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, I think that, you know, I'm a firm believer in in Legos just being able, it's the easiest way for like, you know, hand-eye coordination for the brain to meet, you know, a physical object. Okay, great. How am I going to design this? You know, I spent God knows how many hours in my room playing with Legos. And then it's like I see my brother and he just plays Xbox all day. I'm like, shit, how the time has changed. You yeah. can curse on the show, by the way. And the, the direct, you know, following directions and learning how sure. to, you know, make something. Yeah, with yeah counting the little dots to see where you can put the piece in, where it's got to go, because if you don't put it in right, it, it'll ruin the whole spaceship or whatever you're designing. That's right. It's a big deal. I had no idea. So kids are obviously growing up very successful. Now, what, you know, what was home like, you know, sending them off and stuff like that as far as, like, the two of you, because owning a business, you know, I get business owners on here, but not business owners that homeschool their children. So this is a very unique topic for me, so that's why I have so many questions. Um, you know, and then how does that impact you and, and everything like that? Well, this is our first year of not homeschooling. Really? Oh, because yes, that's right. Just the last this one. September yep. is our first time not homeschooling So you guys throw a party? What, <laughs> yeah, we just kind of... Every day's a party. We kind of <laughs> hang out every morning. You hear that, kids? Every day's a party that you're all gone. <laughs> every day we work out. Every day we go to Starbucks. Every day we're hanging out in And Honey, what's that smell? Oh, I just made fresh homemade sourdough bread this morning and eggs. What would you like? I stole it from your Instagram, by the way. That's about right. Yeah. We're oh. just... It's just time. It's just not rushed. You know, we're on a, a very different schedule. And now they're on their own journeys. And, that you know, that's that's why it's a celebration. Sure. Because it was great, but, you know, it's it's done. Yeah. And uh, now, like I said, they're, 
they've taken off and and sure. carrying on with their the education their and yeah so it's great wouldn't, wouldn't want it to go on forever no yeah there's got to be an end point i feel like that'd take a lot it'd just take forever to do <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, a lot of people have asked to join Egan Academy. <laughs> oh, I mean, shit. I, I mean, if I was a kid and I could scroll back time, I'd be like, Mom, I don't know who these people are, but we got to go hang out with them because they, they're up to something. And Frank always had the same line that it was just a labor of love and they needed to be an Egan in order to <laughs> go to Egan Academy. Yeah, I can imagine. Now, what, did, what was your take? Because as far as I know, you predominantly taught them. Is the, that- the academics, yeah. The academics, you know, what was that like on your end? You know, did you enjoy doing it? Did I did. You, did I you loved do it because you wanted to be a teacher? Because you went, you know, you graduated. No, I never. I, I mean, here I am, you know, having done homeschooling for sixteen years and now, you know, teaching, and I and I love it. But it was never a goal per se to mm-hmm. be a teacher, uh, and and I don't think I would do well in like a class teaching class of like 30 kids but sure. you know in in these particular settings i i do enjoy it i enjoy mm-hmm. it a lot uh and when you teach at the college sorry to cut you off how many how many students are you teaching nine. Oh yeah small <laughs> class yeah okay all right all yeah. right and and really like this morning it was like a we broke off because there's another doctor who teaches so it was just three so yeah, that's my oh, my wow. wheelhouse right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, three I can kids. I can do this. <laughs> oh, better put your learning learning caps on today. So uh, yeah, I like those those odds. It's uh, it works well for me, and and of course you know very very motivated students, and yeah, I I, I don't think I do well in a you know a, a real teaching setting. Sure. Uh, but but in these circumstances it's it's great uh as far as the homeschooling i i loved it i loved relearning things that that i learned you know some things you learn and you use some things you learn and you never use and it was just fun learning them again or learning it through their eyes uh oh absolutely and and, you're just seeing the differences between them where you know they would learn you know one of them might learn something easier than the other or and and then it would flip back and uh you know, trying to find different ways to connect with the different kids and, you know, especially things that might come easy to me, you know, figuring out, you know, how, how am I going to, you know, get this through to someone who's, it doesn't or, yeah. or the other side where, wow, like this kid's got an aptitude that I don't have, mm. you know, how, yeah. how are we going to handle this? Yeah, yeah. Um, so those, those little challenges, but yeah, it was exciting and fun and, um, I mean, part of me misses it, but like I said, the other part is like, sure. you know, the job's done and I think done well. So it's a, a good sense what, of accomplishment. From what I've heard, you guys yeah. did a great job. So the do you, so how do you think you would fare on the TV show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? <laughs> do you think I'd you would win? I'd probably choke. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I was, thinking, I, was, I was hoping you'd take it, that thing to the top. It, it'd be on like the tip of my tongue, and and then it would come come to me after the show was over. Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, what do you think the biggest challenge was as far as you know teaching home homeschooling and stuff like that? Probably the biggest thing was just you know jumping in day one with the blind faith that it was going to work out. Yeah, taking I, that first step. Sure. Yeah. What did what did if you if you can kind of remember what was it like as far as your kids you know hey this time you know 
we're not going to hang out anymore. Now's the you know now this block of time every day is going to be set to learning. You know. Yeah, I mean that that's exactly what it was, but it, I don't ever remember saying it explicitly. It was uh-huh. just somehow understood. Uh-huh. But it was different when when we were in school and when we weren't. Oh, okay. Not hugely different, but it was different. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And and in a good way. I gotcha. Or a useful way, anyway. Absolutely. Because <laughs> I feel like, I, I almost feel like, you know, once again, coming from zero experience, but like if I was going to hypothetically have children and hypothetically homeschool them, uh, you know, almost kind of starting the process even earlier than what it would normally take, you know. Hey, this is, you know, just because they're you're around them all the time and if it's something that you know you're going to go into, it's not like, oh, hey, I'm going to quit my job and teach for the first four hours of my morning or three hours in the morning and then I'll come back to work for a couple hours. Um, you know, almost, you know, in, in non-direct ways teaching them, hey, guys, this is the alphabet. This is, you know, you know how letters go in, into play and, and having almost the material around the house to have them pick it up and say oh what what is this this is you know i because i guess at that i would imagine at that age they're starting to figure things out yeah i mean that that's like the montessori approach and you know we were you know exposed to all these different approaches and unschooling where there is no sitting down with books you know anything resembling a classroom it's just like going shopping and you know looking at the labels people do that yeah yeah it's called unschooling yeah uh and i mean schooling unschooling unschooling yeah and uh you know so we we were able to incorporate all of that and you know create this thing of our own sure uh oh so you kind of picked your own path and just designed it and developed it to go where you want um not to compare those influences sure not to compare your kids against other kids per se, but it will eventually, or it will. But because there was such a smaller community, you know, if there's 150 people, you're talking about 75 families, um, homeschooling, how do your kids, do you still keep in touch with those people? Do you not keep in touch with those people? Well, I guess that's where I came in was more of that afternoon time. So back when the kids were younger, like elementary, actually elementary, middle school, and high school, we used to participate with homeschoolers on several um, group participation. And one was Brookhaven National Lab. Mm -hmm. In the afternoon, did specific homeschool programs, um, like early in the afternoon, like one o'clock, like real science programs there. Oh, so you bring your kids you out You bring there. your kids to B&L, okay. and they were there for like two hours oh, wow. working in the lab. Uh-huh. So we did that several times Even a year. Even as like toddlers? Oh, yeah, like from like elementary school on. Wow. And then um, the other That pro- wasn't every day, though. No, that was like once a week for three months. Okay, okay. Um, and then the other program, which was an art program out at Parish um, Art Museum in Southampton, mm-hmm. uh, they did that program every year, like through high school. And there were so many different things like that. They did a f- photography workshop, and sure. you know, with a professional photographer. Uh, I mean, I I can't even remember all the different things, but yeah, great opportunities. Very interesting. And to now, I guess compare your or 
if you did if you do keep in touch with them, how are those kids also faring? You know, do you think your kids are excelling? Hmm. Without being too biased. I only biased. know a handful, <laughs> and they're all still in college. So okay. I guess, I guess okay. I I said this last time that I really feel like our kids just learn differently because they just want to learn, not because they feel like they have to learn. Mm-hmm. I think they they go into their classes with the excitement um, that I think even you know we didn't have of uh, just wanting to learn something because it's available to learn and they have interest. Sure. And then just being able to work independently. Uh, you know, one of the big things was, you know, are they going to get into a college? Sure, and, and yeah, big concern. Yeah, yeah, and it turns out that most colleges actually really look favorably on homeschooled kids. Really? Yeah, because they are independent learners. They they are motivated. Uh I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, if you think about it, I mean, if you think about how a child, especially here on Long Island, spends their day of getting up super early, being in school all day long, then going from one activity to another activity to another activity to homework and not having any downtime, which is what college is about. Yeah, having downtime. Just downtime and how to use that time wisely. Yeah. That's what homeschooling yeah, is. Yeah, it drives me nuts when college students say, I have nothing, you know, I'm so busy, I can't do anything else. I'm like, I did too, bro. You got a lot of time on your hands. Yeah. All right, I get it. You're supposed to be studying, but like, you know, and playing video games all day is definitely not contributing to your education. Time management is a huge thing for college kids, especially freshmen. And I definitely homeschoolers do excel. Really? Yeah. And you, and no problems getting your student, your students, your kids. I guess they're also your students. Um, <laughs> into colleges or anything like that? Were there any no. colleges that said absolutely not? We're not taking. Not them at all. Oh no, no. Really? No. Not even without a GED. It blows my mind. No GED, and they don't. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean nowadays yeah, a lot of parents, homeschool parents, like stress about that. Yeah. Want to have a diploma and what? We didn't really stress about it. It worked out. I feel like yeah. I feel, well, I feel like stress is you know. If you do a good job as a parent, they should be able to walk in the GED and bang that thing out in no yeah, time Yeah, exactly. Also. Yeah. If they you know, needed on the flip to. Side. Yeah, and I'm sure they could have. Sure. But it never was a problem. You know, if I went back and took the GED now, I'm, I'd be very curious to know how it would fare. But, you know, you lose, cause you, you lose what you don't use. Yeah, that was in the back of our mind that if they needed to go sit for the GED, they just would. Yeah. Um, but it was just a non-issue. Yeah, I mean, even nowadays, the SAT and ACT, all that's, like, not even mandatory for colleges. Not mandatory, but highly recommended. At, le- at least if you go to, from my experience, at least if you go to public, you know, public school. Yeah. In the public uh, school Oh, you system. mean, uh, no, I'm talking about colleges. Um, like, that's, they're, some of them are blind now. You don't even need to take exams. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm mind blown, because I hated that thing, both yeah. of them. They were awful, awful tests. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, I liked it, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> You're obviously very good at school. Yes, you know? yes. Uh, I always think to myself, I actually had, a, ironically enough, just my last podcast between uh, my friend Jeff here uh, and you guys, because uh, I've already done two since the last time I've seen you. Two, I think? Yeah. Uh, was my one of my old professors from college, and... You know, after the show, you know, there's always conversation that happens after the show. You know, that could be a whole nother show after the show. (laughs) And 
I was like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, I, I would consider going back to get my master's, but like, I don't need it at all. It would not, I mean, it maybe would benefit me a little bit, but I don't foresee, you know, there would be really no financial gain I, I could have, I could attach to it. And she's like, oh, you should. And I was like, you know, what would that even cost, you know, if I did go back? And she's like, oh, you know, you can do it online. You know, it won't be too bad. And I'm like, yeah, but what's, what, what's the numbers on here associated with? Because I'm just doing it for fun. I'm not doing it because I'm going to go work some, for somebody else with an MBA or something like that. He's like, oh, you know, 30000 a semester. I'm like, <laughs> what? Plus, huh? plus your time. A BMW every every four months? Jesus Christ. Yeah, plus my time. Um you know, and that you know that one day maybe would I consider going back to go get you know a PhD and a master's? Yeah, I would like I, I want that stupid little piece of paper. You know, for some people it's not stupid, but for you know for me it was just more of like a I can do it than a, you know it's gonna take my business you know to the next level. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't be in your business if you didn't have the piece of paper. Um, so what was you know. When, when did you realize you wanted to be an orthodontist, though? Was it in dentistry school, or was it before or after? Oh, no, it, it was when I was in middle school. Oh, wow. Yeah. That early. Yeah, as a patient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a patient, yeah. And did you ever want to tap out in school? Like, you're just like, I'm done. Like, I'll go do something else. No. It, I, Is I, she lying? No, 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 I love oh, school. Okay. Right. I love school. <laughs> no, <laughs> you looked away, and I was like, "Oh, he's he's." Oh no, no, no. I, no. I mean, I even loved dental school. Really, I loved learning and doing everything. Yeah, I didn't want to do it for a career. Dental school, De- or dentistry. Dentistry, you yeah, know, yeah. dentures and root canal and surgery. Yeah, no. but I loved doing it. Uh huh. It was to me, it was like fun. God. Yeah, uh-huh. and it was you know it was all new stuff all the time. I I really enjoyed it. The, uh, I have to I have to plug my my oral surgeon Dr. Gish in say West Sable. Yeah, West Sable. Do, oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, tell me on my po- I was trying to get him on my damn podcast, and he he's like, oh yeah yeah yeah, and then he, I never heard back from him. <laughs> Honestly, if I don't go into that building ever again in my life, I will not be mad by any stretch of the imagination. He was great, but I am totally okay without getting any more dental surgery. I got my wisdom teeth pulled, by the way, for anyone wondering. We all have. <laughs> God, that is... What, have, all right, you're an orthodontist. Why have we not fixed this already? What's the story with this? We can't genetically modify. We can't, you know, <laughs> fix this when I'm a child. Like, what's the story here? Not yet. No, that's... Why do we have them? So the best theory I've heard is that our diets used to be a lot coarser. So you'd be eating, you know, raw foods and it'd be some sand in with the food. Sure. And, you know, the, we weren't as uh, refined as, as we are now. And the teeth would actually wear to the extent that you needed 32 teeth. Oh, really? Yeah. And that kind of wear just doesn't happen anymore. And so. Kind of like the, what is that, the appendix? Yeah. Would help digest like mm-hmm. right i'm, I'm yeah, right right yeah yeah, yeah sticks and you know whatever we were not really supposed to eat it would help lubricate the system to get it out bet you didn't think i knew that <laughs> told you you're gonna be surprised um interesting so now it's just like you know do you tell kids do you break the news when they're young like hey by the way you're gonna hate a dentist at some point in your life no for i a don't couple do days. that <laughs> <laughs> And it, yeah, in fact, I usually wait till 
16, 17 to even Mention. evaluate them. Oh, really? The, the wisdom teeth, yeah. Because they're just not in yet all the way? or The jaws are still growing. Okay. So there's still hope. <laughs> oh, to not have, need it removed. Yeah, because some oh. people don't. Some yes. people have either small enough teeth or large enough jaws that 32 teeth fit. Mm. But if they don't fit, it's the it's the last four that are trying to get in that have to go. God, those suck, man. They're the worst. Yeah, that was uh, not the most exp- no, not the most fun experience, but it was a very pleasant experience through the process. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, waking up the afterwards was not would not recommend. Yeah, all three of our kids had it done, and we did. And we did. I actually had mine removed while I was a dental student <gasps> in the morning by another student. No, by one of my one of the faculty. Oh, okay. And in the afternoon, uh, I was treating patients. No way. <laughs> Did you do it like so? Like, what was the sober? No drugs? Yeah, no, just no- local anesthesia. Yeah. Oh my God, you are. Um, <laughs> well, they nails. they weren't they impacted. weren't impacted oh. in the bone. Oh. But I did have four wisdom teeth removed. Oh, I don't know. I was out cold, and yeah. he, I was just like, yeah, three, and you might need the other one. And I was like, what's the might? And he's like. Well, if it doesn't happen today, it might happen in a couple of years. I'm like, dude, take that thing out. I don't even want. I don't want to do this again. One and done. That's it. Because I will never step foot back in here yeah, for this process. That's again. what I recommend to all my patients. Because I know some surgeons will do one side and then you come back for the other side. Why would you do that? Make it suck badly at once. I see so many people with just one side left because they never went back. Oh, <laughs> yeah. really? So yeah, I tell my patients just do all four, especially if you're going to be asleep. It's silly not to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The uh, It's actually what's even crazier is, and this is actually why I'm excited to go get Invisalign done, is because after I got my wisdom teeth pulled for like two months straight, because this only happened like eight months ago, um, or maybe a little bit longer than that, uh, I could feel all my teeth moving to where they're actually supposed to be, I guess. And I'm like, my mouth doesn't constantly hurt all the time now. Wow. Like, the, I can feel my teeth separating and, like, a floss pick getting in there like it's supposed to and not, like, I'm biting down on it to try to floss in between my teeth because I do that. Um, nice. As you're supposed to. That's right. Well, I was going to say, one of the biggest things you'll see, um, the difference between when you had braces all those years ago and now is you don't have to do impressions anymore like that. That big, yeah, all that goo. That big, they, they don't do that anymore. It's just a scanner that goes in your mouth and scans your teeth and then puts it up on the screen. That's freaky. It's really <laughs> That's nice. Freaky. I love I love how technology is impacting the world, but it also scares the heck out of me. Wait, what scares you about that? It's an interoral camera. It's just a small. Well, if somebody hacks the system and gets my dental records, and then oh well, we have all DNA. firewalls on that. We pay an arm and a leg. Oh, every I can only month. I try. I work for an IT company. <laughs> I know I have probably a good idea what you're paying, but uh, you know there was uh, I started working with a a company called Think Reps, and it's a good friend of mine, and they tell me these all these horror stories, and they sell one of their products that they sell is security cameras. And one of the competitors made security cameras. And it turns out all the footage that they were taking was being siphoned back to China where they were being made. So now they, China has this tremendously large database of all of these, all the video that happened 
you know, from all these millions of cameras throughout the world that most people don't even know that are still out there just bringing back footage. And you're like, God, that's the scary part. And what are they doing with that? <laughs> Honestly, nobody knows yet. But I actually just heard, so this is going to be freaky. Um, China now has, I think it's China, now has um, cameras that watch people and can recognize people. And when it recognizes people, it'll if it catches you doing something you're not supposed to, it'll lower your human ranking or up your human ranking. And the higher your human ranking, the more things you're entitled to. And the lower your human ranking, the less things you're entitled to. Like, talk about Big Brother watching you. That's some, like... I've spent a lot of time in the technology world, but like that's some like next level, yeah. we're spying on you type stuff. Yeah. Um, where do you speaking of technology? Where do you see technology going in your industry? Do you think it's at its pinnacle? Do you think there's going to be more? Do you think it's going to be less? Do you think it's going to allow you know maybe one doctor if there's three cases you know could you operate in other parts of the world like because you're probably on the inside or I hope you're on the inside. Yeah, I definitely think more. Uh, I mean. It's kind of slow. Like my practice is all digital. Yeah. Uh, but there's still practices taking impressions, taking uh, x rays using x ray film. Uh, so, you know, there's quite Why a Why do disparity. you think that is? Money. Uh, part of it. <laughs> right out there, money. You could say it. It's cool. Well, that's only part of it. The other part of it is, you know, avoiding change. Mm. Um, it's amazing. You know, even though the technology's out there and it's obviously better you know sure. people just get comfortable with sure. doing things a certain way sure um and then i, I think they almost use the cost as an excuse because oh, to get out of in the end you know the technology actually saves time and money the, of course yeah do you think that those that group of dentists or orthodontists will eventually be phased out do you think they're just going to you know Kids and parents are just going to say, hey, I could go to so-and-so for, buy, you know, a parent's going to talk to another parent. Oh, my God, I sat in the, you know, the dentist's office for two hours for a cleaning or whatever between x-rays, this, that, and the other thing. And another parent's going to say, well, I sat in there for 45 minutes and it was lightning quick. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, that happens over time. Uh, that being said, you know, if, if the patients are used to things being done the old way. You know, there, there's a high level of tolerance. Really? Yeah. So they probably should pressure them more, but mm. they don't. <laughs> the patients. Yeah. But, you know, definitely I think that's the trend, but it's it's a slow trend, I think. Do you think it's all of the medical field? I know you can only speak for a, a small portion of it, but. I think medicine is different because a lot of it is corporate. So if it. Oh, like positively affects and... the bottom line. Sure. They'll make the change. Sure. Uh, I think it's a little more cut and dried in those situations, whereas a dentist, there's a lot of emotion that goes into those decisions. Mm -hmm. It's not just crunching the numbers. Why do you think your industry hasn't gone corporate? It is. It's in the process of it, but it's different. Uh, the insurance is different, so it's going more slowly and it's going differently. In some ways, that's good. In some ways, it's bad. I gotcha. Um, 
Now, why do you say insurance? Because of the amount they pay out or? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the medical is is tightly tied to insurance now that, you know, they, they work together now, mm. uh, either willingly or unwillingly. They're, they're just very tightly tied. Yeah, there's hardly any solo practitioners anymore, MDs. Sure. They're all bought out. Sure. Right? Is, you think that's a good thing or a bad thing for patients, though? Uh, you know, it's. I think it's a mixed bag. There, there's some efficiencies to it, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, but it's, it's just the bottom line. Uh, I mean, medicine is a whole another conversation because healthcare should be healthcare and not sick care, and that's what it is. And but like I said, that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole that other separate <laughs> podcast. We actually talked about that <laughs> with my old professor, and and you know, health, you know, what the you know. Kind of like that. Healthcare should be healthcare and not sick care. Yeah. You know, well, who should be entitled to healthcare? Well, if you are putting garbage in your body, right? why does somebody else have to pay for it? Yeah. You know, she she used the example. And, uh, and you should know, the government subsidize the garbage that you're putting in your yes. body? Yes. Um, so it, it gets into a whole Yeah. She was like, well, what if the fire department was for a profit organization? If you don't pay the fire department, you don't get your house put out. I'm like... Well, on the flip side of things, people are also really aren't intentionally setting their homes on fire. You know, uh, it's. I mean, there are still are. Don't get me wrong. I've been to those house fires, and from a firefighting perspective, and enjoying putting out fires, they're great. But as far as like the devastation of that home, good luck. You know, so yeah. it's it's you know it's a very strange thing that we're in you know what is good and what is bad i believe it or not you'd probably never guess i eat pretty good but i got screwed in the metabolism category like i could work out if i don't eat a salad for three meals a day and grilled chicken i pack on weight like it's nobody's business a beer good luck you know (laughs) so but my siblings same parents all incredibly fit I did the same activities all my life. I did probably more activities, actually, all my life, and I got screwed. But I got the brain. If they're all listening, it sucks to be you, okay? I got the brain. Uh, even though some people probably disagree. Um, but, you know, that I see. But it's, you know, that's a whole nother, whole nother conversation. But, you know, I'd be very curious to see, you know, where's, what does the Egan family have planned for the next... Are there plans? Is it kind of take it day by day? Now that the kids are out, or I gonna I need to know. Uh, well, we're gonna hook up as a family in a few weeks and go skiing. Where? Up in Vermont. Very and nice. What mountain? We'll go to. Uh, I'm to if we're I've going been. to Okemo. <gasps> I've heard it's great. I've never been, but I've heard it's great. It is, and then various kids will come up to meet us, and then uh, Frank loves to snowboard and said. That was the one thing when we had gone um, out to Whistler, out in British Columbia, and Frank said if I had snowboarded out here before I went to dental school, I'd be some sort of lift operator or ski <laughs> instructor. We'd be living out here. You're a big snowboarder? I love it. Really? Yeah. I, I came to it late in life. I think I was 39 when, okay. I, when I learned. Sure. And it was a real struggle 
and real accomplishment when I was able to uh, do it. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not, you know, very good by any stretch, but I I really enjoy it. Do you ever surf? No, never did. I'd be curious to know your thoughts on. I've never surfed either, but I've heard they go hand in hand. Uh, I personally like the water, but I'm a big dude, so the water and surfboards and I don't really mix. But snowboarding, I do thoroughly enjoy. We saw people out surfing this weekend. Yeah. Out oh, in I believe Robert it. Moses. They were I some nice understand. waves, but it was I couldn't imagine the the temperature. I'm even not a cold person. Yeah. Anything that has to do I mean, with I'm the sure cold. I'm sure they had dry suits on, but even so. I, most people, most of them have wetsuits. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're. In my brother, my brother goes degrees? out. Oh yeah, my brother will go out if the waves are good, and he's got a couple friends that are willing to go with him. Yeah. He'll go out, and I'm like, "You guys are crazy." Yeah. Like my I kids, don't even like leaving the house. When they've it's cold. done winter sailing, and they wear the dry suit, the special suit that goes on. Oh my god. Yeah, that. that we gotta good. wax the whole zipper and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yep. Um, scuba diving? Do you guys scuba dive at all? No. No, we've done snorkeling. Not scuba. Any crazy activities? I feel like you guys would do like skydiving for fun. No, but we are doing, we have a half marathon on the calendar. We have a full marathon. And then we have a hike again, the 29029 yes. in October. Do you guys run together? Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I get dragged into it sometimes. <laughs> no, sometimes we'll do the race together and other times we'll just train together and we'll each do a separate race. Uh-huh. Um, but. We are tackling that mountain again 17 times. Sure. Did uh, you guys both do the mountain the same amount? We did. Gotcha. Yeah, we hiked it together. That's crazy. We're going to do it again. This time it's 17 or bust. We're going to do all 17. <laughs> I, you got it. I believe in you 100%. It just thinks that there's no mountains here to train on. Yeah. Yeah. That's like yeah. the worst part. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm a big drone. I'm a, I love drone photography and... Photography in general, but drone photography, I, I seem I really do enjoy, and I'm you know I'll go through people's photos and this that and the other thing. And I'm like, oh, it sucks. We just it's all flat. It's just green, flat, and the blue. That's it. We got you know people are taking photos of structures. I'm like that's cool, but like then you go out and you see like somebody standing on a mountain. I'm like that's cool. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, we need we need mountains on the mountain. It's an excuse to travel. Yeah. Do you guys any particular favorite places while we wrap this thing up? Um, or craziest story? A crazy story? I don't have any. I mean, we got to go to Italy in December, and I really like that. Very nice. <laughs> I'd go back there in a heartbeat. I want to go to Italy so bad. I heard it's amazing. It is. One of the kids has gone back to Sweden, and I guess we'll, I don't know, if we'll let him just take the plane over by himself or if we'll join him. It's like an eight-hour flight. It's like, yeah, it's like seven there and like nine and a half back. I'm trying to remember what it was when I went to Norway. It's a big ride. And then you got that time difference. The time difference is kills you. Six yeah. hours. Yeah. I don't know what Sweden is. Norway was six hours. Six. Six. Yeah, that's a big time gap. Getting adjusted is not easy. No. Especially if you're only there for a couple of days. Yeah. We just crushed an hour and 15 minutes. There you go. I told you you could do it. <laughs> I have faith you. in you. What did you say? I believed you. <laughs> He's like, all right, all right, all right. Stop. Let this go already. I'm done talking about it. Uh, final thoughts. How do people find you? 
anything like that? Do you want people to find you? I mean, I would yeah, imagine. absolutely. We love making smiles. We've got the website teethonthemove.com. That's the name of the website? Yeah. You didn't tell me Isn't this? Isn't that fun? That is great. But you we, want to know the story behind it? Yes. We had a contest 20, it was like 20 years ago. We had a contest in our office and some like seven-year-old kid came up with that name. Yeah, we had a website in 1997. How many people can say that? Not many. <laughs> uh, well, you're obviously pioneering the, you know, head first, we're going to take a risk and be on the forefront of technology type deal. Yeah, I think we've definitely taken that whole approach with the office. You know, we're, we, we're a paperless office. Everything is done um, on the computer, on an iPad. We have all the chair sides. There's no paper charts that go with patients. Everything's done right there on a computer next to the patient, and their picture comes up, you know, and all the details on their treatment goes directly into the computer. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's an investment in the office, you know, to always, you know, have the latest and greatest things. Um, Trust me, I hear it. People, uh, you know, I'm like, ah, I'm going to buy a new camera. A thousand bucks. People are like, uh, why? <laughs> like, it's for the business. But, like, I'll cringe over putting guacamole on my Chipotle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if I can really swing I feel that. like they make you feel like that, though. Well, I, I've just gotten so comfortable <laughs> to the point where... I'm either going to go, if guacamole is going to put me in financial distress, I'm probably doing something <laughs> wrong with my life. That's right. You know? But, like, I uh, a lot of my meetings happen at Blackstone over in Melville, mm. which is a very, for anyone who doesn't know, it's a very high-end steakhouse. Yes. It's delicious. It's very expensive. And every time I go, I, like, cringe because I'm like, I might have to. I might have to take the bullet this time and pay. You know, when somebody else is like, they're like, oh, I'll pay. I'm like, you, sir, were sent from heaven today. You woke up on the right side of the bed. But whatever it takes to get work done. That's right. Well, last time we were here, I was telling about um, the new epoxy floors. Yes, in the... Uh, in the treatment yep. area. And it looks like it's um, the beach underwater. We have an underwater theme that's yes. on the ceiling. I was telling Jeff this. And yeah. he's like, Really? He goes, that place was always super advanced for their time. Yeah, we had the, the so, artist. Just so you know, you did a good job. The artist who did the um, Long Island, uh, the Mar what's the museum called? The aquarium. Atlantis. The Atlantis Aquarium. Riverhead. He mm. did um, a mural for us so that when you lay down in the chair and look up, you They're see the dolphins. Right? Yeah, it's gigantic. Dolphins, sea lions. On the ceiling is 35 feet? Yeah. Oh, my feet goodness. Yeah. And there's turtle. we have turtle tanks. What's the... Dark frogs. What's the size of the tank for the turtles? I know it's six feet long. I forget how many gallons. It's big. God. I think 150. And then there's another one with all huge goldfish in it. Do you have somebody come in and clean the tank? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'll, I'll stick the teeth. I'm Been there, done that. <laughs> we used to do it ourselves, and then as time then goes on. nieces and nephews do it for years, and they all grew up, and now I have professionals do it. I always, I always, always, always wanted a fish tank, and then I find out how much work they actually are. Yeah. And I have no desire to get a fish tank anymore. Well, what's really cool is that we have a terrarium. What's with a the, terrarium? It's the like it looks like a rainforest. One, in in the office, yeah, it's really cool. And there's there's frogs in there and 
all these misters and all the green plants and the, the frogs hide and, you know, you got to search them out. I could see why kids like going there. Yeah, it's fun. It's Whose idea was it? Oh, that was all Frank. That was... The animals? Yeah. Yeah. Re- why? Oh, I just love animals. Oh, okay. Yeah, if, if, I, if I didn't become an orthodontist, I would have been a zoologist. Really? Yeah. So now we get to marry all of his loves, <laughs> making smiles and turtles and fish yeah. right there. Yeah, wow. I would have had a career in, in conservation, I think. Really? Yeah. Yeah, man of many interests. <laughs> I like it. All right, guys. That's what keeps us young. Uh, you need interests, uh, for sure. Yeah. You need to love learning. That's right. You definitely do. I couldn't agree more with that one. Well, thanks for hanging out, guys. Yeah, thank you. You made it easy. I tried to. <laughs> I tried to. <laughs> thanks for having fun with us. Absolutely. Now you got to come back on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next time I'll be ready for this. <laughs> no, I, I never will, but I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Take care. Thanks. Thank you guys again for tuning in to another episode of the Brutally Honest Podcast. If you are listening to this point of the show, I really do appreciate you. And if you haven't already, smash that subscribe button. It means the world to me. And you can support me on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Brutally Honest Podcast. I have done so much talking in this past week, I can't even begin to explain to you guys, but that's just my life. And right now, I don't have to rush because it's the end of the show. And if you're hanging out this long, you are my homies. Girl, boy, non-binary, gendered, individual, squirrel, chipmunk, furry, I don't care. I love you. Thank you so much for hanging out. So, BrutallyHonestPodcast.com. You'll see all the links there. It'll be live on YouTube soon. And the sponsors for the show are Agile Dragon Consulting, AgileDragonConsulting.com. Make your data work for you. If you're looking to make better business decisions based on data that you have already acquired, this is where you need to start. It's literally that simple. Major companies are using this on a regular basis to produce better products, to make a better website experience, make a better customer experience because they have all the data. Data is king right now and not even so much that data is king, but digesting and utilizing data is so important. I cannot stress it enough. AgileDragonConsulting.com. Go check them out. Next up, we got Elise Margolin. I didn't give her website in the beginning. I'm an awful person. But her website is EliseMargolin.Zenfolio.com. Maybe I did. But she is your photographer that you will always need. Um, people, especially as I get older, I'm realizing that more and more people uh, need and use photographers quite frequently. And she is a master at it. If it's a headshot for a, a business photo, if it is a party that you're hosting, if it's a wedding, if it's a landscape or real estate or anything like that, she is your go-to person. She is phenomenal at photography. I kid you not. EliseMargolin.Zenfolio.com. Go check it out. She just kills it. All right, guys. And last but not least, huge thank you to TerraNut for being a sponsor of the show. TerraNut.com forward slash BHP. Again, that's T-E-R-R-A-N-U-T.com forward slash BHP. You're going to be able to go there. You're going to support the podcast if you buy. And I'm not even... 
like they're a sponsor, but they're an affiliate. So if they're not actually paying me, but I love their products so much, I've been asking people for their products, but I've been, but nobody follows up with it and nobody would give me an affiliate link these people gave me an affiliate link and i actually didn't even know that they had a website i found out about a month beforehand and they are to die for they're so good um if you are allergic to nuts though you're probably not going to want to go there so terranut.com forward slash brutally honest podcast they got paleo nut they got peanut they got nut punch nut punch is actually my favorite honestly and paleo nut not a big fan of peanuts just never was uh, but they got some other things too. They got cocoa Nana Punch, Naked Nana Punch. All right. I don't know what. Oh, I guess it's there's no cocoa in in that. That would make sense. But they got variety packs. Um, it's honestly, it's just a great. It's a tasty little snack. It's healthy for you. It's got a bunch of good ingredients in it. Go check it out. Terranut.com forward slash bhp. Guys, we have spent one hour and twenty something minutes probably 28 29 30 who knows thank you for tuning into another episode of the brutally honest podcast i do 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 really appreciate it all right guys means the world to me and i hope that i just i hope that every day that i do this i'm i actually know that i've impacted people's lives from this but if i do impact your life and you do care enough to message me i appreciate that you don't have to. I know that I know people that I've impacted that I found out from other people, whatever it is, but I do really appreciate hearing about it. It makes me makes my heart fill with joy, happiness, and warmth. Alright, everybody. I love you guys. It's late at night. I'm going to bed. You're probably not going to bed. But I'll see you guys later. Peace. <laughs>